Good morning. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm sure they won't be able to hear this. I need to probably say it in just a few minutes. But I, I just am so thankful for Jim and for the team leading us in worship. They do such a good job. They work really hard at it. And I just love the authenticity. I love that we can, you know, say the wrong title of a song and it's okay. Like we can just kind of laugh at that because it's, it's real. I just, I am so appreciative of what they do and, um, and I hope that you are too. So hey, my name's Pastor David. I'm also one of the pastors here, and uh, I get the privilege, the scary, wonderful privilege of preaching to you this morning. And so let's open up our Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. It's kind of hard to believe that we've been going through uh, a series since January, Jesus and the Kingdom. So we're going to keep doing that. Um, We've talked about how Jesus' ministry began when he was baptized and sent out into the wilderness. And he comes out and he's saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is here. So we're talking about the kingdom that arrived with Jesus. We talked about things that Jesus has taught about the kingdom and the works that he did. And so today, we're going to talk about uh, something that Jesus uses to teach about the kingdom called parables. So what are parables? Parables. They're fictional stories that are used to teach about the reality of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So uh, one time Jesus was teaching a a crowd using a parable. And his disciples pull him aside afterwards and go, why are you talking to them in parables? And Jesus said, well, for you guys, for my disciples, it's been given that you can understand the secrets of the kingdom. That's pretty awesome. You guys, you 12, but for this crowd, this particular crowd, it's, that's not been given. That's very interesting. So he, he kind of describes to them that because people listening to parables, they, they're not usually looking for truth. They might be spiritually dull towards the things that are being said, which is kind of hard, hard to hear. But he's, a lot of times he would finish a parable like this. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Not everybody had spiritual ears to hear what was being said. So uh, what's interesting then, the disciples, it was granted to them to understand the secrets of the kingdom. And they didn't always get it right away either, did they? I mean, it seems like most of the stories that we've been talking about that involve the disciples involve them not quite understanding what Jesus was trying to say, at least not until the resurrection. So in Matthew 20, we're going to be going through the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And uh, so we're just going to read the passage first, and then uh, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about where we're going. But as we do that, I just want to draw some attention to a video that um, you've been seeing over the last month. You see this guy doing some interpretation, American Sign Language uh, interpretation, while uh, Pastor Mike has been teaching. And uh, just so you know, that's just a video. That's just a video of the, the full passage that we're reading, which is Matthew 20, 1 through 16 today. So I don't want anyone to think that it's like interpreting uh, me as I talk or anything like that. It's just a video. Uh, and actually, it's, it's from a resource that's been compiled over 38 years. 38 years worth of people doing sign language to translate the whole Bible, and they just finished that a few years ago. Um, and that's a free resource. So I will probably read the passage and pray and move on in the sermon, and he's still doing the the passage that I was originally reading, okay? So that can be a little distracting, but we think it's a very valuable resource for those who need it. So I just want to try to limit uh, the distraction that it brings. 
All right, so Matthew chapter 20. We can go ahead and roll that video now. Uh, let's start with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you, go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one's hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would give us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear what you are teaching this morning. We need your wisdom. And may whatever you speak into our hearts, we pray that we would humbly latch on to it and be changed if that's needed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we read the story, just remember that it's a parable. Okay, so it's a fictional story, but it's meant to teach the reality of the kingdom of heaven. Right there in verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like X. So we're learning what the kingdom is like. And at the very end, we learn the purpose of the parable. In verse 16, the last will be first. So the last will be first, and the first last. So that's a main point. Now, if we go back into the first verse, there's a small little word that tells us something we need to do. What is it? Verse, chapter 20, verse 1. The word is for. Are you with me? Y'all awake this morning? It's okay to participate in class. So for, what do we need to do with that word? We need to look before that so we can figure out what it's there for, right? So just one verse before that. We see in chapter 19, verse 30, some repeated words there. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So yes, this is definitely the reason for the parable. Now, we still don't know yet who is Jesus talking to, so we need to back up even further. And we find out that he is talking to his disciples this time. 
parable is for the disciples. So what's happening? Jesus talks to a rich young man. A rich young man comes up and he thinks that he is already in the kingdom of heaven. And he basically just wants Jesus to tell him, yeah, I've heard what you've done. I see what you've done. Of course, you're in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so Jesus points out that that is not the case because he says, if you would be perfect, then sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So, I mean, the guy was like, I, I have, I've obeyed all the commandments since I was a kid. What else do I need to do, Jesus? And Jesus says, well, if you're going to be perfect, he's kind of going along with him. But he answers it by saying, you need to come follow me. All right. So what happens to the rich young man? He goes away sad because he has great possession. And it becomes clear he loves those possessions more than he loves Jesus. So then Jesus says, it's easier for a camel, for you visual people, to fit through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear that? Guys, are you with me this morning? Come on. It's, gonna, it's about to take off. It's about to get good. All right, so there's a camel that can fit through the eye of a, a needle. Is that possible? That's impossible. can't happen. So uh, the disciples can realize what he's saying here, and they're thinking, this guy, he like did the law. He did really good at it. Who can be saved if this guy can't be saved? And Jesus says, with man, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus is declaring that if our intention is to enter into the kingdom by things that we do, that can't happen. But with God, all things are possible. Well, uh, Peter has an interesting response to that. He says, hey, see, we've, we, the disciples, we've left everything to follow you. What then will we have? It's almost like, hey, we, we actually did what the rich guy didn't do. What are we going to get for that? Does that count for anything? And Jesus goes on to tell them something actually that's crazy cool. He says, I, the Son of Man, I'm gonna, when I sit on my glorious throne, you guys are going to sit on 12 thrones and judge 12 nations of Israel. That's incredible, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's huge. Now, is Jesus saying that because of what the disciples did, they get to sit on the thrones? I don't, I don't think that's what he's saying. Because remember, Jesus had to go find his disciples, right? He's told them before, you didn't choose me, I chose you, right? And then in verse 29, Jesus says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. She so catch that phrase, for my name's sake. Jesus is saying that anyone who does exactly what the disciples did, and they do it in, for his name's sake, are going to receive a hundredfold and eternal life. So Jesus is not saying there's no reward for what you did. It's not like what they did was meaningless. But verse 30 tells them, he's trying to teach them a lesson. He says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. He's teaching that the point of leaving things behind is not the reward that you're going to get. The point is that you love Jesus. 
And even if you have to lose everything, like that's okay. It's worth it. You give up things for the sake of Jesus, not for the sake of getting something extra. Does that make sense? So to clarify verse 30, if you think that you are first because of something you have done, you might actually be last. And conversely, for others that you might consider to be last, they might actually be first. It's actually really, really good to be last in this case. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. So uh, let's read through the parable again, and let's just highlight some details. Again, first, verse 1, chapter 20, verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So remember, we're talking about the kingdom here. It's a symbolic story. Try to picture it in your heads. Getting up early in the morning, it's at sunup. And a master goes out and finds people to work for him. And verse 2 says, After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. A denarius is a pretty good wage. It's a full day's wage. And it's good enough for these workers to agree to do it. They enter into a contract with him and they get to work. It's good. It's done. Verse 3 says, And going out about the third hour, he, the master, saw others standing idle in the, mar- in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too. And... Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. So the master gives the same invitation, except that this time he doesn't tell them what the wage is. He just says, whatever is right. And these laborers obviously believe that. They believe what he tells them, and they enter into his service. It doesn't give any other details, just that they got to work. And now it's the third hour, so it's around 9 a.m. First guy started at sunup. Now, uh, here about 9 a.m., we got some more. And then the master goes out and does it again a few hours later. So at noon, same thing. Then he goes out at 3, a few hours later, 3 p.m. Like, we're running out of time in the day, aren't we? Yet he goes out and he, he does it even one more time. He does it right before the end of the day. Says the eleventh hour, which is about five, uh, let's see, my I'm thinking it's five. <laughs> I think it's around five p.m. Uh, just go with me on that. And he says, "Why do you stand idle all day?" They said to him, "Because no one's hired us." So he says, "You go into the vineyard too." So here at the end, the master isn't even talking about a wage, but the laborers came anyway. They believe that somehow that's worth it, even if it's only for an hour. And here now comes the end of the day, and it's time to get paid. And notice, the master says to the foreman, pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. Sounds familiar, right? Repetition is good. And Jesus said that right before the parable. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So verse 9, it says, And when those hired about the eleventh hour meaning the ones who only worked an hour, when they came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those who were hired first came, those are the ones who worked more than anyone else, about 12 hours, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these 
This last worked only one hour, and you, you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. They're probably talking to him full of sweat and dirt. It's obvious they've been doing work. And yet somewhere along the way, these laborers forgot what they agreed on. They agreed on a denarius. In the, in the beginning, that was plenty. There was, they were completely happy with that. It was enough for them to work the whole day without complaining. But then as the day, go on, the day goes on and more people are being added to the workforce, at least they assumed that the, the latecomers would receive less. Does that make sense? They're working hard. They know when they came out. Other people joining, they're at least expecting they're going to get some kind of a fair payment. At least not what they were going to get. And you know what? Uh, that's in a normal workforce. That makes sense, right? Yes? Like, you don't just waltz in at the end of the day and expect to be paid for the whole day. Yeah? <laughs> that's, that's silly, <laughs> is what that is. But we're not talking about a normal work environment, are we? We're talking about, verse 1, the kingdom of heaven. Whoo, baby. And it doesn't work the same way. The rules are not the same. And the more we dig into that, the more it makes no sense why anybody's getting a denarius. No sense. So the master says to one of them, friend, what a word. <laughs> what a good boss. He just got chewed out for giving more to somebody else. And he says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I, am I not allowed? Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Which literally means... Is your eye bad because I am good? Ouch. And Jesus concludes with this same statement that he began the parable with, except now it's in reverse because he wants his disciples to start thinking in reverse. Verse 16. So the last will be first and the first last. So back to the original problem. Why did Jesus even tell this story? It's because he had said that it's impossible to, be, impossible to be saved without God. And with God, all things are possible. With God, people can be saved. But then, Jesus, or then Peter responds in so many words saying, Okay, but since we left everything to follow you, that gets us something extra, right? That's essentially what he's saying. He's kind of missing the point, isn't he? And this is not something that Jesus hasn't dealt with before. This is something that Jesus has talked with them about before, even one chapter earlier in chapter 18. The disciples come up to Jesus and say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, there's another repeated word, kingdom of heaven. And it's the same kind of concept. Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And how does he respond? He has a little kid come little kid stand among the disciples and he says unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven that wasn't a question they were asking they were thinking man 
he's going to name one of us, right? Who's the greatest? Is it Peter? Oh, it can't be Peter. It's like, dude, you don't need, you're not even, you're not even in, the, in the kingdom with that kind of thinking. That kind of thinking doesn't belong in the kingdom. And then he clarifies and says, if you humble yourselves like this little child, then you will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he said that to all of them. So if any of you want to be the greatest, humble yourself like a child. And then, guess what? You won't even care who's the greatest. It's not in your vocabulary anymore. So when Peter says, see, what are we going to get for leaving everything to follow you? He still seems to have this greatest kind of thinking, doesn't he? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And that's why Jesus says, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. It's, it's a rebuke. So for those who think they're already first in the kingdom, this is a hard truth. It's kind of backwards thinking, isn't it? It's backward thinking, backwards thinking for most of us. Because if we're, like I said, we talk about a workforce, most of us would agree, yeah, if we're talking about someone coming in at the last minute and getting paid the same as someone who worked all day, that doesn't really make sense. But again, in the kingdom, things operate a little bit differently. So the disciples, they're not the only ones who have this kind of problem. We can all struggle with this. We as Christians can so easily forget that in the eyes of the master, we're all the same. We are all equally in need of access to the kingdom. And none of us can get ourselves in. So when the master presents us with this offer, the offer to leave everything, to leave our sin behind us and come and follow him, we all get the same inheritance, eternal life with him. Let me not say that without some enthusiasm. We all get the same inheritance. Eternal life with him. Hello? Oh, oh, that's forever, guys. That's good. That's a good wage. And it's not even a wage. It's a gift. We are all equally undeserving of that. See, in the parable, the guys who worked longest said, hey, why are you making these latecomers equal with us? Equal. We all are equal. And that's a good thing. Eternal life is a gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast, Ephesians tells us. Now, literally, we all enter the kingdom in last place. Because the only one who's worthy of first place is the one who's giving us the offer to come in. Ha ha! Isn't that good? Nobody's worthy of first place. We needed somebody to be in first so we could even get in. And in his incredible kindness and generosity, he paid the way for us to all get in. And when we humbly receive that, we rejoice in him. And we rejoice when others get the same thing. Because our mind is different. We don't think like we're the greatest anymore. We don't care. But we forget that sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we used to do things, in, used to do things for his namesake. And then they start to becoming for our namesake. Without us really realizing it. it happens to me sometimes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But it might happen to some of you too. 
So the amazing reality is that we don't have to do that. We don't need to do that. God gives us more than we could ever ask or think or deserve just by giving us himself. That's our motivation in the kingdom. He is our motivation. So like the disciples, he might be giving us this sharp reminder that, hey, if you're starting to think this way, you're going to end up being disappointed. Okay? And thank God there's still grace He gives us grace to just kind of wake up and remember, you know what, it's good to be just in the kingdom. So let's remember, we are last, and let's rejoice in the master's generosity that any of us are able to work in the vineyard of his kingdom. Amen? Now, (laughs) there's another side to that. Think about how amazing it would be to be one of the workers who came in later than anyone else. The last workers. They probably expected to be paid for an hour. That would have made sense. And they thought that was worth it. He didn't tell them exactly what the the, uh, payment was going to be. Yet they still ended up receiving the same as anybody else. They didn't have to be in the scorching heat all day. It's almost like they just snuck in. But they didn't sneak in. Because with man, this is impossible, right? The master knew exactly what he was doing. Because he's good. And he's generous. And he can give whatever he wants. And the wage wasn't based on how much work everyone was doing. It was based on what he was going to do. Because he'd already, de- he'd already decided what he was going to do. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So you don't have to be first. You don't have to be the first disciple. You don't have to get in first. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else who's been in there working all day, all month, all year, all their lives. Because if it wasn't for what Jesus did, we'd all be on the outside. But because Jesus already bought the way in by his death and resurrection, now anyone who says yes to the master can come into his service in dead last place and be declared to be first. Somebody better get excited about this. It doesn't matter if you've held a position in church for 50 years or if you're literally about to get saved this morning, hallelujah, the last will be first, and everyone who comes to Jesus gets the whole thing, the whole inheritance, which is eternal life. Believe it or not, we're getting close to the end. But I want to tell you a story. It's not real long. Uh, you guys might know uh, Skip. Skip comes to our church. He's a great guy. And uh, one time, actually, he came in just, I want to say it's a couple months ago maybe a couple months ago, and he's had a friend who is in the hospital, and uh, his friend's a little bit older, and uh, had some health issues, and it looked like it took a really big turn for the worst, and so uh, Skip went in to see him, and I was talking to him about baptism. Somehow he got baptism in the conversation, and uh, the guy was interested in baptism, so Skip came, and he saw me. It was like a Thursday, and it was like in the afternoon, and um, I'm not exactly on a spiritual, in a spiritual mountain, <laughs> not in a valley, but I'm not on a mountain. I'm like super enthousi- enthusiastic. But uh, he comes in and tells me about this guy. And um, I could tell he was very concerned about him. And um, he wanted me to go and talk with him and pray with him. And it was like, you know, sometimes you just feel really equipped for things like that. I wasn't feeling equipped that day. I just wasn't feeling energetic. And I'm thinking, this just sucks. This I mean, how am I going to go tell someone how awesome Jesus is when I'm just kind of like mediocre in the middle of my weird afternoon trying to cross things off my list? 
But regardless, it was very clear this is a God-ordained thing. And okay, I got to do it because Jerry was busy. (laughs) Mike was out of the country. (laughs) I don't remember what was going on with Craig, but I'm pretty sure I was the last one here. So okay, on we go. I go talk with this guy. And I never met him before, but and it's crazy because I I saw him and I didn't recognize him when I was even in the room with him. But I I remember seeing a picture of him later um, and, and I, I had seen him. He ride, rode his bike around town and stuff like this. And Anyway, I pieced together. I just introduced myself, and I just told him the simple gospel. I was like, you know, just talking about some spiritual things, and it was like, you know, you know what sin is? And, and you, know, you know how God created the world and all these simple things, but man sinned, and so we're apart from him. I, I slowed it down a lot. He, but it was interesting because... Um, it was just the clear gospel. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to forgive us of our sins and so we can have eternal life and enjoy life with him. And, and he, he was receptive to that. It wasn't it was an emotional thing. Like There wasn't a lot of tears or anything like that. It wasn't like your classic, I don't know, movie-type scene where there's this weeping and tears and, oh, God's so good. But it was clear and it was true. And, he, and when I got to the end of this little talk and said, man, do you want to... Do you want Jesus? Do you want to confess your sins to Jesus and make him Lord of your life for however long you get to be on the earth? He said, yeah, I want to do that. So we prayed. And it was just real basic. Um, finished. And again, no, ter- no tears. <laughs> but I shook his hand and I said, no, man, this is so awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come see you tomorrow and uh, just kind of see how you're doing and just follow up a little bit about with what's going on. So that was it. I left. And um, I got a phone call the next morning. is a very humbling thing. Skip calls me and says he passed away. This guy passed away in the middle of the night. And this man was, I don't know, in his 70s, maybe in his 80s. I'm not sure. But I know that he didn't know Jesus before that day. And, and he got the whole thing, man. He came in at the last hour, and he got the whole thing. That guy gets to spend eternity with a Savior who loves him, and he loves his Savior perfectly, and, like, that's as good as it gets. And, man, it wasn't because I gave him some flashy gospel presentation or anything like that. We don't need that, guys. We just got to be available. Even if we're just, like, half-hearted, we just got to be available because that's what the labor of the kingdom looks like anyway. And I wish I could say I have had many conversations like that, but I haven't, you know. All I know is that when when that happened and I found out I had to preach, this was a sermon we were supposed to hear today. So I hope that just encourages you. I just want to say it again. It doesn't matter if you've held a position in a church for 50 years or if you just got saved like two minutes ago or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Like the first will be last, but the last will be first. Everyone who comes to Jesus gets the whole thing, gets the whole inheritance, which is eternal life. And when we get there, <laughs> it doesn't matter who's the greatest. We're not thinking that way anymore. Man, we get to serve the greatest. And we rejoice when people just get to sneak in. They don't sneak in. There was a high price paid for people to get into the kingdom, amen? From the least to the greatest. You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't apply. 
feel that, man. So good. Because that's the same grace that I get. That's the same grace that you get. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> so I hope you got the, hope you got the main point. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, oh God. We humble ourselves. We aren't worthy of you, Lord. And you're so kind that on the days that we think that we're worthy of you, you humble us. We just praise you that we got in because you paid the way. You took the wrath of God on yourself, Jesus. You didn't just diffuse it. You took it. You felt it. And you rose again to declare that anyone who comes to you just says yes to you. You move in. Lord, break our hearts. Break our hearts forever, considering ourselves greater than we really are. And then just lift us up to know it's a joy to be in the service of the King. It's a joy to be in the service of the Master. So continue your work, Lord, and just pray. If you started planting some seeds, may they grow in Jesus' name. Amen.